welcome in to Gridiron Live. My name is Michael McQuaid and I'm joined by Ollie Connolly on an instant reaction episode immediately after week three of the NFL season. Ollie, it was funny last Sunday. We were saying that it had it all. There was so much going on. It really lived up to the expectations again this week, didn't it? The early slate was fun. I thought the evening slate was a little bit drab. Um, Obviously, the big bill game being the Packers uh, and Bucks, and neither of them could really move the ball that well. But yeah, the, the early slate once again lived up to uh, everything we expect from the league. Good to have you on and good for folks for joining us tonight. Uh, we are presented by Beer 52 and you know, great to have Beer 52 um, involved here. How does a free case of beer sound? Uh, our pals at Beer 52 are offering you a free case of beer. All you have to do is go to the link uh, beer52.com slash gridiron and you have to cover the post's cost of five ninety five to get your free box and it's a subscription that you can get each month uh, and you can get different beers from around the world. Ollie, I know we've been sampling these beers over the last few weeks. It's uh, definitely been a good experience starting the season off. Oh yeah, I think I cleaned out my my, my first case. I have as well, yeah. <laughs> on on uh, on Friday night, I think. So, um, but yeah, uh, some unbelievable stuff. Looking at the schedule for for week three, um, there was a number of games aside to me, but obviously the one that will jump to first, Ollie, is is the game in Miami where the Dolphins defeated the Bears twenty one to nineteen. Um, look. A great result for the Dolphins. The, 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 sorry, defeated the Bills 21-19. A great result for the Dolphins. Uh, the Bills on many people, if not everybody's number one or, or number two on their power rankings. And Tua uh, and, and, the, and the Dolphins get the job done, man, on what was frankly a, a pulsating game to watch as a neutral. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to caveat it with all the injuries. The Bills obviously down both starting safeties, down both starting corners, down both starting defensive tackles, down their starting center, and that's just going into the game. And during the game, they lose their backup center, they lose their starting right guard, they lose their starting right tackle, they lose their third cornerback, they lose their fifth wide receiver. So they lost a ton of players, and they had a chance to win it down the stretch. Right, Josh Allen under throws a ball on fourth and goal, and then they could have been winning the thing. But I think it's a, a huge win for the Dolphins. Huge for them, I think, to have. If, if they had a back-and-forth game where they won 45-41 and it was like a crazy, crazy game, I think that's cool and that's exciting. I think for them moving forward, showing that defensively they can be somewhere in the vicinity of where they were in the Brian Flores years, which is probably middle of the pack on a week-to-week basis, but their highs, if they get the game plan right, can can have them shut down essentially anyone. Um so I think that was really, really important for them. They they stifled the Bills' defense. They forced a ton of takeaways. They, they at least forced a ton of takeaway opportunities. I mean, Josh Allen should have probably been, been picked four or five times during the game. So I thought, I know Tua will be the storyline. That offense kind of dominates that team at this point because of the, the pieces they've got. But so, so impressed from them defensively and so needed. They, they were just pretty dominant up front. Yeah, really, really enjoyable game. And the Dolphins, as you said, they... They stuffed the offensive line of the Bills and they just had blitz after blitz on Josh Allen. Uh, Dolphins had 20 quarterback pressures. Uh, Allen was stacked four times. Uh, one of the uh, one of the next-gen stats was there's a 29.9% pressure percent on Allen and uh, Melvin Ingram had five quarterback pressures and it wasn't it wasn't a massive day for the, the Miami the, the Miami offense in the sense of there was I think there was, you know there was two big plays in the fourth quarter to get the win for them. The really interesting point was the was the injury at, at halftime, Ollie and 
you know, at one point it looked to me anyway, like Tua, once he was hit, he, he just looked like he was frazzled. And I, I honestly thought he wouldn't come back out again. And he, he came out and he, he won the game. And it, it was just incredible to see him come out. Have, have you anything to say in regards to the, the nature of that? Because I know there was, a, like, it wasn't controversy, but there was a lot of talk online at halftime about, you know, the fact that he came out immediately after the, the half and was fine again, even though he sort of fell to the ground beforehand. Yeah, the injury ones are always tough. People love to talk about them from afar. It's impossible to know unless you're in the room on what, what's actually happening. It seemed pretty clear he had some kind of concussion or head injury. And it was pretty clear when the Dolphins announced, hey, he has a head injury. So he's going to the locker room. Then he comes back out. Um, he's unable to walk. So he goes off the field. Then he comes back out. And then they announce or they they, they leak that it's a back injury and his back spasmed. Um, that is not what happened. So people can, you know take whatever they want from it it's pretty clear anyone with eyes can see that he didn't seize up his back and start reaching for his back he could not walk after taking a shot to his head and suffering some form of whiplash so i think it's pretty obvious what happened there the nflpa wants to launch some kind of investigation into it i guess we'll find out i, I imagine at some point they'll just they'll, they'll stick to the party line it was a back injury already after the game mike mcdaniel was sticking to that party line right away so i'm guessing that's what they'll roll with as for the game I mean, Tua, you know, he was fine. The, their offense was fine. The Bills' defense is, was really good, even despite losing all those guys. Tyreek Hill was not open very much, did not have a huge day. And all they needed Tua to do to win this game was to make one giant throw, which he, he nailed to Jalen Waddle, And it was a an unbelievable shot. It's basic Tampa 2. Jalen Waddle fakes the out, splits the, the two deep safeties, hits the post, and it's an unbelievable rip from Tua. Um, and us, like many people, I think, as we've said with him now for, for weeks and weeks and weeks, is as long as he hits the throws he's supposed to hit, then they're going to win a ton of games. And if he can hit two or three goes a game we don't expect him to hit, then they are going to be a real threat in the playoffs. And that's a throw where, is he expected to hit it? Yes, the guy is open, but it's still an unbelievable throw. And it's a game-winning throw, and it was, what, third and 22? You're not supposed to rip a post shot versus Tampa 2 on third and 22. Um or third and 18 or whatever it was. I think it was third and 22. Um, Unbelievable. He actually, on 24 dropbacks, he averaged, his average depth of target was 9.4. So he is bombing and he is gunning. And, you know, it's interesting. The Dolphins only ran 39 plays on offense. The Bills ran 90 plays on offense in the insane Miami Heat. And I think something people regularly forget with the Heat is, People point the time of possession and all this kind of stuff and how long a defense is on the field. On defense, you're able to cycle through players, right? People have different packages. You run different groups of players out there. On offense, the offensive line is playing every single play. If you've got a star wide receiver like the Bills doing Stefan Diggs, he's playing every single play. The quarterback is playing every single play. And it was funny watching the Bills try to move the ball because they would call run plays purely to get Josh Allen a breather because he was moving around a ton, as you mentioned, the right side of his offensive line was a complete mess. They had a ton of communication issues. Those guys also got injured, both of them, and had to go out, which was a problem. Um, not having Mitch Morse a starting center was a huge issue. So Josh Allen's running for his life. He's exhausted. So they would call run plays just so he didn't have to move or do anything for at least 10 seconds. Um, so fascinating game to a, in general. Back to your earlier point, I think, yeah. Did enough to win? Should he have been out there? Probably not. Did he need to be? Honestly, I think they often could function pretty fine without Teddy Bridgewater, but I don't think Bridgewater hits that throw into a did, and that's the that's the difference in the game. 
Yeah, the Dolphins go three for three in the red zone. The Bills go two and two or four. And you talked about the offensive stats there. It's really reflected in the stats. Tua has just under two hundred yards passing on the day, whereas Josh Allen's got four hundred passing yards, and they still only score nineteen points, which is. I mean, it's, it's it's good crack, and I tell you what, man, I'm I honestly just can't wait to watch these two teams play again later on in the season. In in Buffalo, it's it's going to be a great game, and I, I know at that point in the year, it, it it'll mean an awful lot. Um, just just a quick one on the Bills. I'm presuming, in your infinite wisdom, you're not concerned about them after this performance in the sense of they're still a juggernaut. Huh. Like, no. Yeah, that's insane. Anyone who's got any concern, <laughs> it's an unusual game. You don't usually play in that heat in Miami early in the season. You don't usually have all those players missing. There's, there's nothing about them that is broken in any way um they still played really well they were brilliant defensively right they kept those guys in check for most of the game outside for the two shot plays that was the big discussion point coming into the the week they didn't even have the two starting safeties which is what gives them an opportunity to stop those guys that no one else has and yet they were able to do it so no absolutely no concern they have one of the three best quarterbacks in the game they have one of the three best defensive coaches in the game that is a pretty good recipe as long as they can get some of those guys healthy i know that micah hides out for the season or at least on IR and is expected to miss most of the season as long as they are relatively healthy and they're not down to it's one thing to be injured coming into a game which really sucks obviously it's another thing to be already sapped of depth going into the game and then throughout the game okay we've not got our starting center communication is going to be tough and now our right guard goes down and now our right tackle goes down it's just too many body blows to get mid-game when those guys are missing if it's baked into the game plan beforehand because you know all your corner depth and all your safety depth is gone which it was for them you can still build an effective game plan out of it if you have a you know some decent depth behind that and you've got a good coaching staff which they do to have those guys ripped out mid-game was is uh is the brutal part that's where it just becomes too tough you just cannot adjust that quickly on the fly that way so yeah as long as they have some degree of health uh they'll be fine and anyone that was listening to the Gridiron Pick show uh, during the week, can I just, first of all, publicly apologise? You know, I, I publicly said, quote for quote, that the Kansas City Chiefs were printing money against the Indianapolis Colts. Six and a half point favourite, uh, favourites, Ollie. But not just one thing. I was reading on Friday your column. I'm not sure how old the column is on the read optional, but Reichball. And I was reading all around the Colts and, and, and their offence and... I'm intrigued to hear what you thought of how the Colts got over the line against the Chiefs here. Again, don't get me wrong. I know the defense came up massively for them, but at the same time, 20 points holding the Chiefs to 17. It's it's an upset based on how the last few weeks have went, especially. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was a lot more about what went wrong with the Chiefs than it was what the Colts did. I mean, the Colts played well defensively. The, the defensive line dominated, but almost all of this came down to two things. One was the... Special teams issues with the Chiefs. They had a muff punt, which led to the Colts touchdown right at the start of the game. They missed an extra point. They had the uh, the fake field goal that led to an incomplete pass. Why on earth on fourth and 10, you're running a fake field goal when you have Patrick Mahomes? I would rather have Patrick Mahomes on the field throwing a pass than have it asking Johnny Townsend to throw a pass on a fake field goal. That made no sense. And they missed a 34-yard field goal. So you change any one of those things or at least two of those things and more than likely they get the win. But the second point that was the the strangest part of the game, you know, the, the Colts defensive line dominated in third and medium and third and long. Um, they were just getting a ton of pressure on Mahomes. Again, some really strange communication issues with the Chiefs offensive line, which is unusual for them. But they were only in that spot because of how much the Chiefs were running the ball on first down. It made absolutely no sense. I mean, I think they had 19 carries. 32 yards or something like that. The Chiefs, I think it's 1.7 yards per carry. And if you go through 
um, when they were running, it was all early down, first down runs, getting stuffed at the line of scrimmage, putting you into second and long. That's a dud play. And so now we're in third and long, and we're just getting whipped up front by the Colts' defensive line. Whenever they threw the ball on early downs, they moved the ball really effectively, and it's only when they had some of the the misses we talked about there and some of the, the issues on special teams that they were really slowed down. So it, just a bizarre game plan from Andy Reid and then a ton of, of unforced errors. Um, weird one, weird one. If I have Patrick Mahomes and I'm facing Gus Bradley, who he's taught for his entire career, I allow him to throw the ball 50 times. I'm not taking the ball out of his hands to give it to running backs. They ran the ball 19 times, as I said, and they only got one first down off a running play. So they were just slamming their heads against the wall and putting themselves in disadvantageous uh, down in distances, which is exactly what the Colts need. The strengths of the Colts is that defensive line playing get-off-and-go football, and then they were really competent on the back, and they just basically played man coverage for a ton of the game, which is not what you're supposed to do against the Chiefs, and they just won man-to-man battles. There were three or four highlights, right, of Stefan Gilmore breaking things up, whether it's on Travis Kelsey, whether it's for the, the end-of-game INT, he gets his hand on that one, right? So they were just... They just beat them on the back end, but were helped out massively by the down and distances that the Chiefs were kind of putting themselves into and then forcing Mahomes to speed up his clock because of how good the defensive front was. It was a really enjoyable game as a neutral, especially towards the end. And Harrison Butker has, uh, he's probably sitting tonight going, I'm definitely worth something to this team now, 100%. Uh, and that was, yeah, Sky Moore, who I know we've talked so much about both uh, pre and post draft. I felt bad for him at the start. I'm going to be in the, the pro Matt Ryan camp because I've been very vocal about him uh, on social media the last few days, probably in a negative way. Uh, that drive. You know, 16 plays, 76 yards, 6 first downs. Woods with a 12-yard receiving touchdown with around 20 seconds remaining. Ryan using his experience to get the ball down the field. And look, he, they've had a rough few weeks. I think everyone, and you've, you've wrote about it yourself, Holly, you know, he, he was expected to come in and, and turn this on. But the, the offensive line has been, should I say, woeful in Indianapolis. So for, for them to get over the line, it's it's a big result for them, especially when the AFC South is now uh, controlled by the Jaguars, who we could even slide in to talk about here now very quickly. Um, um, the, the the game in LA between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Chargers was, was, well, I have to ask the question, should Justin Herbert have started that game? No, obviously not. They should have just taken the taken the L for the week and maybe you would have had a chance if the backup plays and you know weird things happen in the NFL we've seen strange results right we saw Jacoby Brissett win on Thursday night when once they knew that Keenan Allen was out and everyone else was out that's when it's like why are we doing this and they they they'd leaked throughout the week right that they were telling Justin Herbert themselves to play the long game play the long game I do not understand why you are allowing a player how old's Justin Herbert 24 25 why you are bothering to even ask his input on this, right? <laughs> it's not as if it's one of those ones where, um, like, Brady's got the thing with his hand, ring finger at the moment, right? Or it's like a sprained ligament, and it's like, well, there's nothing we can really do. So, you know, until after the season, post-surgery, or as a surgery, it's going to take you out 12 weeks, and it's not severe enough for us to do surgery. So in that situation you can maybe say to the player there's nothing we can do but some pain management between now and then and you can play this Justin Herbert situation is you just it just it's gonna take time right so they were given a free opportunity to give him some time by not playing him and it's like okay so even if you just accept we're gonna lose this week there's plenty of time left in the season his long-term health is way more important than him playing in that one-off game against the Jags that they end up losing anyway. So it was just a really strange decision. And what is the point of employing the medical staff if the quarterback's just going to be able to decide that he wants to take a jab the day of the game and play? 
it made absolutely no sense. And look, maybe people say, you know, this one cannot be fixed during the season. So this is just what it's going to be week after week after week. I'm, I'm, I have no idea of knowing um, from all the reporting I've read. It seems like, yeah, in three or four weeks, he'll be much, much better. And it feels like it's more of a backward step to allow him to get crushed by a talented Jags defensive front and give him the week off. And one thing as well on, on the Jags situation, that was the first time they've won on the road since 2019. And that game was in Oakland which says it all, and it's like insane. Uh, the Christian Kirk connection starting to look good. I mean, it was a $72 million contract, and everyone was going crazy mm-hmm. in March, and now he's on course. I think mathematically, Ollie, to have minimum, if he keeps going the way he's going, 17 touchdowns this season, uh, in a regular season. <laughs> Not going to happen, but Jesus, I mean, Trevor Lawrence, uh, just, lo- I mean, he looked really, really good, man. Like, and I know, like, the thing with Justin Herbert was he, he had a couple of really good plays as well, but the Jags are building as well. And when you've got James Robinson going for 100 yards rushing, and it just shows you, <laughs> do you need Travis Eddy in there whenever Robinson's going over 100 yards? And man, they were so held back last year. It's unreal now. Yeah, I mean, they were, yeah, it was an incompetent organization run by an incompetent man. Um, now they are a competent organization being run by a competent coach. And you go through, Doug Peterson's history of quarterbacks, I mean, they are they all roast everyone unless it's Carson Wentz. I mean, that's just the reality of Doug Peterson. And all those guys off kind of that, that Eagles tree who won that Super Bowl, it's as if everyone else got the credit. You know, it's as if Frank Wright got the credit. It's as if all these other guys got the credit and we forgot the guy was really running the organization and he didn't get the credit. And now we see him here. All, all Doug Peterson does is book guys in position to get open. It ain't that hard. He runs them all of the basic classic staples you see in West Coast football. He infuses some motion and movement, and he adds in some little college football sprinkles here and there. And what he has at his hands right now is probably the most talented quarterback he's ever worked with, one of the most talented quarterbacks in the league, who was, as you said, held back last year by the Urban Meyer of it all. And they have not only that, I mean, defensively, they've just been stacking talent on talent for years, right? It's just never been in a kind of a cohesive plan. And now you go through Hamilton and Fatowski and Allen and Key and Smoot and Walker and Alukan, and it's like Lloyd, they have freaks everywhere. I mean, that front is like eight or nine deep with A++++ athletes, because that's Trent Balky's thing, right, is just get me the freaks. It's why he wanted Walker and not Hutchinson. Get me the athletic freaks, and that is short-sighted at times, right? It's held Trent Balky back before, but then there's days like today where there's eight of them, and you're thinking, Jesus, man, these guys are all unblockable. So I, I, I'm, I'm really excited. I think that defense is legit. You know, they're now after three weeks, they're third in the league in EPA per play. They're second in the league in success rate. That is real deal big boy stuff. That's not any fluke because that's all per play and it's standardized against your schedule and the rest of the league. That is real deal stuff. And Will they stay there the whole season? Maybe not. But it's not as if the talent doesn't match up to those figures. They have those freakazoids up front. They've got the movable linebackers. They can do stuff on defense other people can't do. And then on offense, it's as simple as you said. They're putting their best players on the field Robinson, Etienne, um, um, Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk, thank you. And then getting the ball in Trevor Lawrence's hands and letting him cook. And it's that simple for them. 
And one guy they've actually lost, uh, and I, I thought at the time it was going to be a big loss for them, even though they brought Christian Kirk in, was a guy from Colorado uh, who's now playing in Carolina. I had his name in my mind. Levis Gishenault, who scored for the Panthers. Oh, yeah, and... no, nah, he's terrible, yeah. Oh, he, man, he's got speed. I mean, he's, like, I mean no, he's uh, that touchdown tonight was nice, albeit it was Carolina, and that game was not a classic. W- was there anything that jumped out to you in the first window like the, that you want to talk about? The Raiders going 0-3, I mean... Raiders going going three and they're already being a meeting between the head coach and the owner. That you know that's 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 never fun. Um, I don't know what they were even discussing what they could change. Um, you know it, it's a, a tough one really because they're zero and three, but they should have closed out the Arizona game. Obviously, they just could not tackle Kyler Murray, um, which is going to happen to a lot of teams. But yeah, they, I mean they shouldn't be zero and three talent wise. They shouldn't be zero and three even in the way they played. To be fair, um, so yeah, it's a rough start. And you just said the word there now, and I'll close off the early window on this. You said the word rough. The Washington Commanders uh, losing. Well, they, they scored eight points. I have to give it to them. I don't know how they scored eight points at one point. Uh, Ron Rivera having to answer tough questions, but Jimmy Garoppolo postgame was not happy. But man, Jalen Hurts and this Eagles team. And the, like, I mean, we'll talk about the Bucks and the Packers in a minute. In that NFC, the Eagles are starting to stand out above all the rest, in my opinion. I just feel like they're going to be there come the end of the year. Yeah, they're a freight train. I mean, they have the best offensive line in the league. They've got two outrageous weapons, three outrageous weapons if you include Dallas Goddard, the tight end, which we probably should do. Uh, Jalen Hurts is a weapon unto himself. You know, as I was talking to you about this earlier today, he's he's right now in that middle of where we were at prime Russell Wilson, not quite when he became more of the evolved passer, but the year essentially when the uh, Seahawks win the Super Bowl, which was a pump-and-dump style of play where he's either bombing it deep outside the numbers, no time for throwing over the middle of the field, which is a problem as you advance in the NFL. But for now, he's throwing deep outside the numbers or he's taking off, creating and moving, right? Or it's a scheme design play where Smith or Brown or someone is, is opening the play design right away so he can get rid of the ball quickly. And it's just really fun. And they're just wrecking people. They're wrecking people on the ground. They're wrecking people through the end. And defensively, I mean, the secondary is so good. The front is obviously mental. I mean, that talk about going eight, nine deep, it's unreal. And they obviously got after it today and just crushed crushed that offensive line, crushed Carson Wentz. And if, if I'm Ron Rivera, I'm starting to get awfully tetchy and nervous because betting big on Carson Wentz is a buffoonish decision at the best of times. And it is looking worse by the weekend. To be fair to him, there's not much you can do when you're on your back the entire game and your offensive line is completely overwhelmed but yeah that's a that's that's a looking like a worse and worse decision by the day and i've seen your tweet as well about the stadium falling apart as well so you've got the team falling apart <laughs> and the stadium falling apart the ownership falling apart yeah i mean that, that, that's a discussion for an off-season podcast i think um let's wrap up on this late on this on this late slate and probably just this late game on um that green bay bucks game on paper now I know the Bucks had a lot of injuries on, on, on the offense and Aaron Rodgers does not have that elite wide receiver quarter flow to like in previous years I still thought it would be a, a high enough scoring game um, I I couldn't believe well I know it, there, there's been signs the last few weeks Brady again not great one passing touchdown uh, it, for now only has 35 rushing yards Packers were more efficient getting the ball down the field but they couldn't deliver 14 points to 12 the Bucks have the chance at the end to get the two point con- conversion to take it to overtime and they don't Whew, I mean definitely not one for the books or definitely not definitely not a classic Ollie anyway no, I mean, they're two really good defenses, though. It's like, I know people, this happens all the time, Rodgers. I mean, the last time, they when they played in New England one time, it was a defensive battle. Like, 
Bucks are a really good defense. The Packers have an unbelievable defense. So I know what people are expecting. They, they, those those are not good offenses, and they went up against really good defenses. This is those guys are you know not magical enough to overcome bad players and injured players. I, I mean, the Bucks' offense at the moment, I mean, is a complete travesty. I don't know. They they had that. I don't know if you saw, but they had that four-play sequence where Perryman ran over Russell Gage. They both ran the wrong route and ran into each other. Then nobody blocked on a screen because the play either they checked it or the call was wrong or something went wrong and no one realized they were trying to block for a screen. Then Brady has the scramble that gets, you know, he has the 18-yard run where he looks like he's stuck in mud and that gets called back for a hole. Then they have another busted screen on third down. I mean, it's just that is a mess. Then the Packers. They opened the game with two touchdown drives, right? Just ripped down the field. And the entire game plan is RPO, RPO, RPO. They are RPOing the books to death. They are reading one man. And basically what the books did was they said, we're going to blitz right down the middle of the line of scrimmage. We're going to test these two tackles. David Bakhtiari, they're rotating in their left tackle, right? Let's blitz down the middle, even out the front, and everyone's going to be one-on-one happy days. The Packers are reading the blitz, man. If he goes, they... They throw the ball behind him. If he stays, they hand the ball off. And they just voided the books, the middle of the field. Middle of the field in terms of both depth and then in the actual area of the field. And it's just Aaron Rodgers ripping it. What He was like 14 for 16, right? For 200 yards. He just, yeah. easy. <laughs> grab it, throw it, grab it, throw it. Grab it. In the exact same spot, over and over again, driving down the field. So they go touchdown, touchdown, easy. So what does Todd Bowles do? He says, yeah, that plan was shit. That plan's not working. Let's ditch that plan. From there, what you get, this is the Green Bay drives after that, right? Fumble, punt, 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 interception, punt, 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 punt. That's a problem, man. They are relying so much on the two-back stuff, which I enjoy kind of schematically and philosophy-wise as a nerd, and it's something a bit different. Um, But it's clear it doesn't give them any juice to the offense down the field. I know Christian Watson was out, but it wasn't like they were featuring him before anyway. And their reliance is on Alan Lazard kind of being this do-everything guy for you on third down who will dig someone out as a blocker, but then also will make tough catches over the middle as a receiver. And then Romeo Dubs. That's it. That's those the <laughs> entire two pieces they're relying on. It's just it's it's just not nearly enough against the top 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 defenses. It's enough for you to have your game script to have a good plan going up against a Bucks defense. But as good defenses adjust and and change and and shape shift during a, a matchup, that's just it's just not enough pieces there. They are at least a Watson away. Hopefully Watson can give them something extra as the season goes along. But it, it just just does not feel like they have enough at all. I had to sit literally I think it was in the second quarter and just double check that Christian Watson was not active that's that's the state as I said where I got to in this game the very end man with the with, with the timing clock and just the calls and the fact that the, the Bucks had the ball and they had to go back was it five yards it was just one of those games where I, I just felt like oh man this is not happening but the, you're right the, the defense came up for both teams and if you like defensive football you, you would have liked that game I think there was a point in the fourth quarter where Brady literally just put his head down <laughs> He was like, he was, he was, I think he was done for today. He just wanted to go home and lie up and put the feet up at one point. But uh, that's going to be intriguing to see what happens in Tampa Bay over the next few weeks. Um, was there anything else, man, that stood out to you today? It was, a, it was a crazy day. We had drones in Seattle at one point. I thought I had like, <laughs> a big car Seattle, yeah. people. We had, uh, well, obviously the Jaguars, like, the Jaguars winning in that form was crazy. The Bears winning against the Texans, against Lovey Smith coming for revenge. It, it was an enjoyable day for a, a fan or an analyst or an expert in the league. I definitely enjoyed it. And one can only imagine uh, what week four is going to be like, man. 
Yeah, and we didn't even discuss Lamar. I mean, Lamar oh is God, right leading the yeah. league in passing, leading <laughs> the league in rushing, leading the league in everything. He's just a complete apex predator. You know, he's just crushing everyone. It's just outrageous. outrageous. Is, I mean, that game, that game league. was that game was bonkers. I mean, it was actually. Really, and it, yeah. I think it would be wrong not to talk about it. Is I'm, I was joking there saying, is Mac Jones injured? Do you think? Or do you think he, I seen he jumped yeah. or something. I, I, I think we were talking in the group and people were suggesting, but he looked quite injured at the end, man, to be honest with you. I mean, I, again, I hate talking about injuries because I have no what we don't know. So I don't know. But it looked, I mean, the report seemed to say he's torn a ligament in some description. So yeah, that counts as injured. Absolutely. And, and you're damn right about Lamar Jackson having 218 passing yards, four passing touchdowns, over, uh, well, over 100 yards rushing is ridiculous and i've seen people saying online that you know he's he's doing better already statistically than he was doing in his mvp year can he keep this up over the next 70 or over the next 15 weeks it's going to be incredible to see because they're fun to watch as well Ollie. yeah i mean i was looking today so 218 yards four throwing touchdowns 110 rushing yards one rushing touchdown that's his 12th career game with 100 plus rushing yards it's just it's just not fair. It's indefensible. He's going up against the best to ever do it. Who, if anyone can find any kind of schematic thing against him, will try it. He did the Dolphins plan right. They just blitzed him like 50 bazillion times, thinking that's going to freak him out. Lamar Jackson does not care. He just throws to the T for your blitz. That plan only works when he's down to his ninth left tackle, sixth left guard, and the Dolphins are able to catch on a, on a weird Thursday night in Miami, which is what happened last season. That formula has not been replicable for anyone else this year. And when he's upright and healthy and he has a receiver and three okay-ish linemen, he breaks the world. <laughs> that's what we have seen now ever since he entered the league. And that's what he's doing again. So the only way that this you know falls apart is what happened last season, which is everyone around him gets hurt. Please, God, it doesn't happen. I think for the neutral as well. Uh, Mark Andrews had a sl- slow start in week one. He's coming into himself. A couple of touchdowns last week, a couple of touchdowns today. The offense is fun to watch. Really, really fun to watch. And I can't wait to see what happens with the Ravens over the next few weeks because they're going to be there at the end of the year. But Lamar is in for some payday, man, at the end of the year. Like, Jesus, that, that man every week seems to just surprise yeah. me more and more. And Mac Jones oh, yeah. with 300 yards passing and... Uh, Devante Parker with 156 yards receiving is going back to old Patriots players of the past as well. Like, <laughs> yeah, and then they they completely deem it. We had this whole preseason discussion of what will the Patriots offense look like with Matt Patricia. They were trying to install a new style of offense, and they have just ditched the thing after two weeks. The thing they were trying was horrific. They basically ditched it in the second quarter last week anyway. They fully committed to, yeah, we don't run that Kyle Shanahan stuff anymore. Um, from this week onwards, I mean, they've always run some of it and they will continue to run some of it, but it being the mainframe of their offense is just completely gone. It's back to being Mac Jones and the gun spraying it around like a true spread QB. It's back to power running football and kind of trying to marry those two different styles together, um, which is what they did in his rookie season, which is what he did well. And lo and behold, you go back to it and allowing Mac Jones to see the field is, is where he's at his best. The Devontae Park stuff is funny because the guy is just frozen in amber. The guy cannot get any separation. He's like <laughs> the worst mechanical, technical receiver in the football. And yet he also just happens to be bigger and stronger than everyone else. Um, so yeah, he's open when he's not even open. So, but I will say all four of Mac's picks this season have come targeting Devontae Parker because he's never open and so what you get is tip drill or you've had mac jones twice this year now just have no idea where an 
a corner or safety as he had the one in the Steelers game where he just did not know where Minka Fitzpatrick was. Had the same one today with the Ravens. He just locks it on Devontae Parker as though he's some kind of safety blanket when he's never open. It's it's a strange relationship. He's like overly reliant on him when the guy isn't open, which is peculiar. And I think it's holding the, the offense back a bit. Let's see if we can work on that over the next few weeks. Uh, Ollie, it's 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 been fun talking about week three. I know that there's going to be a lot more discussion on the Gridiron Networks over the next uh, couple of days. We've got the team uh, on the Gridiron show at 11am Eastern, 4pm uh, UK, 5pm Europe. Tomorrow, uh, recapping live and online. You can get your questions in via YouTube as well. Just search Gridiron UK on YouTube. And uh, that's me for now, man. Uh, thanks so much for coming on and discussing uh, the game. So quickly after the finish, man. Yep, catch up soon.